Are you an HR department of one trying to figure out how to balance task and strategy while keeping up with changes in regulatory compliance? Do you need a fresh outlook on old topics? Then stop what you're doing, grab your coffee, and get ready to recharge. If you have people, you have problems to solve and things to do. Your host is Brenda Neckvottle, a 20-year human resource professional, ready to explore the HR industry with veterans of business and life with fresh eyes and new ideas. Learn about the rapidly evolving changes in employment law around the country, as well as new tactics to deploy and build engagement in your workforce. If you're looking to implement new practices to make your job easier in HR, then this podcast is for you. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Best Practices in Human Resources podcast. I'm Brenda, I am your host and a practicing HR professional here in the industry, and I am really excited that you guys are here today. For those of you who are joining me for the very first time, thank you so much. I really do appreciate you guys coming aboard with us. And for those of you who are returning, I am super excited to see that you guys are back again. Really, without either of you guys, the show wouldn't be possible. So I really, really appreciate it. So we got another great show for you guys again today. Um, we are going to be looking at employment law changes that are sweeping the nation. Uh, today's main topic is interesting. I'm bringing this out ahead of time as everybody is starting to plan holiday parties, gatherings, team building events, things like that. And the question and the topic today is to drink or not to drink. That is a really good question. Um, got a couple of announcements for you. We have the HR question of the day, and then I'm going to share with you how you can get best practices delivered right to your inbox. Now, before we go any further, please, folks, just remember that the information available through this podcast is for informational purposes only and not for the purpose of providing any form of legal advice. You should contact your attorney to obtain legal advice with respect to any particular issue. And if you don't have one, an employment attorney, uh, you're more than welcome to go ahead and contact me, and I might be able to refer you uh, to one through our friends over at Jackson Lewis out of our affiliate program. Okay, so headlines, headlines, headlines. There's quite a few of them. <laughs> Not nearly as many as the last one, but, you know, we like to keep HR interesting, that's for sure. Okay, so first off, we've got... Oh, okay, California <clears throat> is ramping up for a lot of changes in employment law. And so um, got quite a few of those to go through. So first off, most of these are going to be taking effect, uh, going into effect January 1st of 2020. So a while ago, remember folks, I mentioned that we get to a certain point of the year where we do have like a lot of mid-year legislative challenges, well, changes. Well, California certainly has their fair share as well. So... Um, California has amended and some, made some changes to their privacy law. So for those of you who are in California, you're going to want to look into these. Um, they, California, we mentioned this before in a previous podcast, but California has actually made some adjustments and mandated uh, some enhancements for lactation accommodations for nursing mothers. Um, there is also more. So there's a, I'm not exactly what it's called. But AB5 is actually based off of a ruling that came from out of 2018 uh, for the, between Dynamex and the Superior Court of California as the test which determines whether an employee is a worker is an employee or an independent contractor in California. So that one is called, again, AB5. Uh, AB170 
um, was an amendment to AB 5, which uh, includes individuals that work for newspaper distributors and carriers um, at, to that list of negotiated exemptions from the Dynamex test. And um, those workers are actually covered by the more traditional Borello test for independent contractor status. And then <clears throat> AB 51 uh, is, is new surrounding employment arbitration agreements. And the bill actually makes it unlawful for employers to require employees to agree to arbitrate to most employment disputes. And there's a lot that goes into that. Uh, definitely check those out if you feel that you are in a position where you know what you have in place for arbitration could be conflicting. Uh, AB 749 <clears throat> is a no rehire provision in settlement agreements and specifically this bill uh, prohibits a settlement agreement entered into or after the 1st of January 2020 from including a provision by where the settling employee will agree that he or she may not seek reemployment with the employer and is not eligible for rehire. However, there is a no rehire provision that is allowed if the employer found in good faith that the employee that they are settling with committed any form of sexual harassment or sexual assault. So that one's a little complicated. There's nothing easy about any of these things. So to sit here and say that this is complicated, this isn't complicated, they're all complicated, especially when they're new. Nobody really fully understands them. So it takes a little bit to kind of work out the kinks. You should have seen it when we were going through um, bringing of the Affordable Care Act. Holy cow, nobody knew what was going on with that one, not even the government. All right, 6B88 under wage claims, and this is a new law that actually expands the authority of the labor commissioner to make determinations or adjudicate claims that allege that the employee was not paid all of the wages that were promised under a specific contract or an agreement. So if you have employees that are under agreements and contracts, you definitely want to be up to date on SB688. Um, as it sits right now, uh, California already has uh, provided uh, employers a legal obligation to ensure that employees have 30 days of paid leave per year when they donate organs. Under the provision of AB1223, the new law actually expands the obligation by requiring employers to provide an additional 30 days of unpaid leave if necessary for the purpose of organ donation as well. Um, apparently a little while ago there was some confusion with uh, what they had rolled out with harassment training in the state of California. SB 778 actually now clarifies that employers with five or more employees have up until the 1st of January 2021 to provide two hours of training to supervisors and one hour of training to those that are in a non-supervisory position. If an employer has provided the training in the current year of 2019, it is apparently not required to provide it again at least uh, until two years later. So um, if you guys are kind of uh, wondering what is going on with that, definitely check that out. And then the last one that I'm going to share with you guys is SB218, which is, uh, I may not pronounce this acronym correctly because I am not in California. <laughs> But it's called the mini uh, DFEHS, and more than likely somebody will be able to say that better than I will. But uh, basically, what it means is that the bill um, has allowed cities, or will allow cities, or would have allowed cities within the county of Los Angeles to 
adopt their own anti-discrimination ordinances and and put into place their own agencies for processing and um, working through those complaints of discrimination. So California has been busy, to say the very least. <laughs> so those of you who are in California, please make sure that you are looking into these things because it is going to create some heartache and headache if you do not have um, a solid foundation as to what is going on with these changes in laws. So let's move to the other side of the country now. So over in New York, New York City has enacted legislation that clarifies uh, what an independent contractor protection is under the human rights law. Uh, state of Pennsylvania, this is something to watch for. Uh, they are in the process of actually moving closer to increasing the white collar exemption salary threshold in the state. Um, and it looks like it might be a substantial increase as well. And then last but not least, all down in Texas, San Antonio, uh, the city council approves changes to their paid sick leave ordinance as well. So that is what I have for you guys in regards to what is going on in changes in legislative law across the country. That's right. It's that time of the year where I get that same question <laughs> every year. And that is, should we allow our employees to drink or not? And usually what happens is every time I get this question, it always comes immediately after a particular incident that has taken place. So that is the question. And, you know, for years and years and years, employers have managed and worked through the alcohol issue. But you know what? We are in a day and an age of litigation. And it's... It, it's an increasing problem as more and more people take to the roads, our you know our population expands and risk and liability increases because these things happen. These you know unfortunate circumstances and incidences have happened. So uh, I'm going to share with you some funny anecdotal real life instances that have taken place and then we're going to kind of talk about why you guys want to give credence and some serious thought into uh, providing alcohol or permitting alcohol to be consumed at holiday parties that are coming up. Um, <clears throat> so these are some of the things that I have been privy to personally and directly. So uh, the first one um, actually was it's it's one of the funniest ones I mean there was no harm done to it excited except a few people kind of lost some sleep at the hotel but a long time ago when I was working for a company we did a team building event <clears throat> and we took the event out to Virginia Beach and prior to that we did have a little conversation about um, we are going to be team building but sometimes some people team build a little bit too much others more than others <laughs> and I, this year was no exception um, but it didn't really result in anything bad happening it was just loud so um, so we had our team building event and then we had a lot of fun later that night doing specific activities it was everybody was in a great mood it was hilarious there was a lot of laughter and you know the drinking continued and then at 2 a.m. Um, all of a sudden, I heard coming from my hotel window, which was overlooking the beach, a gas-powered blender <laughs> and people crying and screaming my name out to come down and join them and actually have a cocktail. So we kind of did wind up waking up some guests and it wasn't good. I actually left my room and came down just to get them to stop calling my name and uh, turning the blender off. So 
I do admit that the margaritas were really good, but having a gas-powered blender on a beach at 2 a.m., uh, right as the tourist season was about ready to kick off, probably isn't the kind of behavior you want to see from your employees. Um, <clears throat> the next one that I have been privy to, uh, I was not directly involved in, but this was actually a co-worker. Um, we did have an incident where a co-worker was um, intoxicated while they were traveling and proceeded to get in an argument with the airline crew and so um, before the flight took off that person was taken off of the airplane um, there were a number of things that have taken place as I understand it as the individual left including removing uh, the company shirt that the person was wearing on the airplane and so not only was the individual branded with our company information but was acting in a very inappropriate and loud and disruptive manner and removing their shirt so I have no idea if there was anything on underneath it or or what was going on with that part of the story but unfortunately that person uh, did wind up losing their job as a result of it so uh, there was a lot more to that there was you know obviously drinking that was taking place uh, during the trip and in front of other employees and just a lot of uh, behavior so so drinking can sometimes really get you into some serious trouble now when it comes to the holidays it is it's I'm gonna be honest with you it's a hard call to make <clears throat> because you want your employees to be comfortable and to have fun and for those of us that are responsible and you know we don't drink to excess you know it makes it really a nice environment for us however the ones that do drink to excess and take things over the edge and too far really are the ones that the question comes up should we consider drinking and I'll be honest with you even the ones that drink not to excess you may have like one or two you know what that risk is still there too because what would have happened if they would get into a car accident on the way back and from their you know party or to another location you know the question will be you know, were they consuming alcohol or enough alcohol at the time of the incident to where both the employee and the employer could be liable? Now, these are very valid points of concern. And it's something, this conversation comes up this time of the year every year for me. And, you know, I wouldn't be doing my job <clears throat> with my clients if I didn't ask them the question, are you sure you want to allow alcohol at this particular party? So leave it to me to be the killjoy of the bunch, right? But... I will tell you a tale of a holiday party that did go south after doing exactly that when giving that kind of warning that you want to really think about do you want to allow employees to drink alcohol so this is a company that provides a service to homes and uh, we'll protect the innocent here and the anonymous but um, they had a party in a very nice area around here in a really nice hotel. Um, had the whole event catered. Uh, it was wonderful. It was, you know, bring your spouse as well. And they wanted to, you know, really truly show how much they appreciated their employees. Well, when I mentioned to them that they may want to consider restricting the amount of alcohol or considering not having any at all, uh, they looked at me like I had three heads. Uh, they had said that if they did that, nobody would attend ever again, and they were really concerned that that was going to put a damper on the party. Well, there were a number of things that put a damper on the party. 
So first off, too much holiday cheer unfortunately led to an incident, and this is these are all connected, mind you, led to an incident of infidelity at the hotel, which therefore led to an arrest due to assault after that discovery was made, which also led to a DUI from the very same person who committed the assault and about $10,000 in damages to the hotel as well as um, walking in on another couple completely unrelated to the party after the door was broken down. So it got a little out of hand to say the least and wouldn't you know it not even a week after I had the conversation with them that Monday morning I got the phone call explaining what was going on. So <laughs> these things can get a little out of hand and they can get out of hand quickly. And so what was supposed to be a fun night turned into literally a night of hell for just about everybody. So, you know, these things do happen. Um, I, I do also know of an instance when, you know, alcohol was being consumed amongst co-workers when, you know, it wasn't even a party. And it was just a bunch of co-workers that got together. <clears throat> some were managers, some were subordinates. And one of the managers got into a horrific car accident and that unfortunately uh, took the lives of two other individuals. Um, there was a very small town at the time and sadly that person has spent almost 20 years of life behind in um, prison and is expected to be released uh, in the upcoming about 16 months or so. So, you know, there are unfortunate things that really happen as a result of this because, you know, you can't always believe that common sense is common. And when you get people who are in a partying spirit, you know, they lose their faculties and they don't start thinking through about what's going to happen. And, um, you know, they don't take into consideration what that would do to an employer, how that would make a company look in front of other, you know, potential community patrons. So, you know, there's some there's some things that we do need to think through and figure out before do you permit your employees to go ahead and drink. Now, first off, be proactive. So these are some best practices. So be proactive and know the law. Okay. Start thinking ahead as to what it is that you want to do and and how you're going to convey it. Okay. Knowing the law is one of the most important things that you can do to get started because you, where you live and where you celebrate may not always have the same laws, right? <laughs> and there are places out there that are like that. I mean, we do have some dry counties still in this, in this country. Um, you know, we have some states that actually have liability laws in place. Um, I won't go into exactly which ones those are because I don't know them all. Um, you can pretty much guarantee that New York has something in line. I just don't know the specifics behind it if there is one. Um, so I don't want to step out of bounds and say something. But, you know, you really have to understand is there, you know, are there things called social host laws that are in place? And um, sometimes the catering managers will be able to help you understand those. But, you know, to be honest with you, you should be working with your employment attorney to determine whether or not those things are in place if you're going to go ahead and move forward and provide alcohol. 
um, make sure that you do what we did um, with the gas power blender even though that gas power blender did show up and that is you know encourage people to not team build as hard as they may and to really kind of think through what it is some of the ramifications are there now if you have individuals which you don't think um, <laughs> will have that capacity to do so and you're pretty confident that they're gonna go ahead and you know take it take it to the edge well then there's some other things that you can do as well so um, you can go ahead and actually um, set some limits and one of the limits is that make sure that first and foremost that you are not allowing any minors to be served um, that's a big one sometimes we have some you know minors that look like they are into their mid to mid 20s and early 20s and can if you've got a bartender that's not really paying attention and not carding and you can wind up getting yourself into trouble. So if you are allowing family to attend other than just a spouse, make sure that you make it abundantly clear that minors are not prohibited. They're not permitted to go ahead and be served alcohol and make sure that the facility or the bartender, whoever's working the joint, is sitting on top of that. Um, you can go ahead and make and enforce a drink limit policy, which means that you can have a two drink policy, you can have a three drink policy, that's not a problem. Matter of fact, years ago, this is a long time ago, when I was a freshman in, in college, um, I was one of the only event coordinators that was able to bring in alcohol to an event because we had all the safeguards put in place. We had individuals that had to be ID'd and banded. We had a licensed bartender that was paid by the school. We had appropriate we had appropriately acquired the alcohol in the right way. And in addition to that, we had a two drink limit. And um, we were very careful as to make sure that people were not violating the two drink limit as well. <clears throat> and not to mention the bartender was really good at being able to spot whether or not people were screwing around with that. So it worked out great. You can go ahead and enforce or create a policy that actually prevents employees um, from smuggling additional alcohol. So every now and again, you might have somebody that's got a little flask tucked away in their jacket or in their purse, and you can go ahead and make sure that that is not pr not permitted as well. Um, you know, one thing too that if you really want to keep alcohol limited, but not you know lay all of these suggestions out that I did just go ahead and consider serving alcohol for only a portion of the party you don't have to do it for the whole event you can only do it for a very short period of time um, make sure that you are also in, in communicating to your employees that the event is not mandatory it's optional and so therefore if you're limiting or restricting alcohol um, then you know what it it's really is the individual's choice to attend or not attend now I I know you guys want parties to go off and be successful I do too but um, there's nothing wrong with uh, making sure that they understand that this is a completely optional thing no pressure if somebody doesn't show up I know it's a disappointment when somebody doesn't I know you want people to feel included I know you want you know to get the biggest bang out of the buck so to speak but make sure that you definitely convey that this is an optional event that this is not anything that's mandatory and required 
And then finally, you know what, at, um, at the end of the day, you can go ahead and not permit alcohol at all into the party. Just be mindful that there's probably going to be an after party somewhere, and that's okay. As long as the employees are the ones that are actually putting that together, and it's, you know, you don't have any management involvement or leadership involvement, you know, let them go off and have their own fun. They're grown-up adults. They can go ahead and do that. One of the other things that I want to mention out there is that, you know, you can actually work with rideshare services and taxi cab companies to actually have those services available or coupons or something available uh, so that people can go ahead and reach out and get a duty driver, so to speak, or find somebody that, um, you know, is not uh, drinking and it's a, it's a public service or it's a, a paid service in order to shuttle them back and forth and you can even yourselves go ahead and figure out how you guys want to do that as well so you know if you take these steps you know the whole point of having a party is to celebrate company successes to celebrate employee successes but you know if you take a few minutes to think through okay where are my fail points here what are some potential problems you know, you'll be able to, and put solutions in place, you really will be able to make sure that the event is enjoyable, and I promise you, some people aren't going to like it, but you know what, that's okay. I would much rather people get a little disgruntled than very disgruntled when everybody has to put in time to go to a funeral, because that has also happened with a company that I have worked for um, in a prior year engagement. We actually did have a fatality as a result of the person drinking during the event, so um, it gets really ugly. Uh, thankfully, I was just an employee at the time. I wasn't in the HR seat because i honestly not sure how I would have handled that myself in, as an individual, but um, it was very unfortunate, and it led to us actually no longer permitting alcohol as well. So, uh, But that didn't prohibit employees from going out afterwards and enjoying something as well. So um, that is what we got for you today. Um, you know, again, holiday season's coming around. This is the time to start thinking about this. And if you guys have questions and if, you know, you want to sit down and kind of sketch out what some possibilities are, you know, I'm here for you guys. You're welcome to go ahead and jump on the website, book some time with me, and uh, we can talk through to make sure that your holidays are joyous and festive and safe. Most importantly, safe. Okay, so we are now in the final segment of the show, and I would like to really give a huge shout out and a thank you to Hilda G. Hilda G went ahead and left a rating and some feedback on Apple Podcasts under our show, and it was really generous, and I want to say thank you very much. So she writes, I love this podcast. The examples that you provide are very helpful and very knowledgeable. Thank you for taking the time to provide us with all this useful information. Hilda, thank you so much for listening. It really means a lot to me. Um, sometimes all this stuff just comes bubbling out, and I have to tell it to somebody, so I'm really glad that you're willing to listen. <laughs> And uh, and congratulations on being put in the position of starting to manage the HR function as well. Um, also today we want to throw out a, a little spotlight on our affiliates program. If you go to bestpractices.work and then click on the affiliates tab, you'll be able to see a listing of vendors that help provide 360 degrees of HR support. And this one in specific is a company called eScreen. eScreen is a pre-employment drug screening uh, as company. Uh, I've used them for years. They're awesome. 
they're super simple to use. There's the they can accommodate a five to ten panel test. Uh, there's some really great pricing in there. I can also do the quick test or send the sample out to the labs as well, so you can get responses back pretty quickly. They've got a huge network, huge network in the United States. So all you have to do is log into the system, set somebody up, plug in an address, the employee's address, and it'll be able to identify where the, some of the closest facilities are in which you can go ahead and send your person to to have a pre-employment drug screen. Um, have some announcements for you guys. Um, definitely uh, got the last of couple of opportunities to attend workshops. Uh, kicking off a successful new year. Uh, there's two opportunities to take place in November and those are listed on the website at bestpractices.work under the events section. And what's neat about this is this actually really is targeted for individuals who have not gone through a new year's closeout, gone through a payroll closeout, or are relatively new to the HR role or just need some refreshed ideas. Um, there's two opportunities live here in the Virginia area and one of those opportunities is a virtual uh, a virtual opportunity as well. And then also in the month of December <clears throat> kind of a, a heavy-hearted but yet a very informative session called Helping Grieving Employees Through the Holidays. Um, those we have to, again two opportunities in the Virginia Beach area and then one of those opportunities will also include a virtual opportunity or virtual class as well. So you can go ahead and register today at bestpractices.work again by clicking on the events link and then we have a new course. I have a new course that rolled out on uh, the HR University by Best Practices and it is a library. First off, the university is a library of online courses that are designed to help bring those practical and current human resource uh, nuggets of knowledge to those practicing in the HR field. The course content ranges from basic compliance to covering some of the more complex challenges in the industry and that library is gradually growing. So the one that just got released, so remember there's a special that comes with this, I'm going to explain that to you, is just basic HR compliance. So we're actually starting at the beginning and we're kind of growing up into some some knowledge, okay? So the basic HR compliance, if you don't do anything else <laughs> if you don't have a handbook, if you don't have job descriptions, if you don't have anything else or not really wanting to do much more, at least attend the course and do these things at the very minimum. Some of them are easy wins, some of them are required and you'll need to know what they are and what's cool about this is that we not only tell you what it is but we tell you how to go about doing it. And uh, We're going to give you some additional videos, some links, uh, lots of resources that you can uh, utilize and we're also going to kind of teach you how to use the calendar as well, the HR calendar which is a free gift that anybody can download from the website and you can also get it when you sign up uh, for the best practices as well. So it is a free gift but the special that I was talking about earlier is that anytime I launch a course for the first five days you get 50% off that's right you get 50% off so it's called the 5 for 50 special and the new course discount will expire five days from Wednesday the 23rd so that means that you will have Tuesday let's see Thursday Friday Saturday you will have Sunday the 27th to take advantage of that's 27th of October to take advantage of the 50% off 
I didn't have that in my notes, so I had to look at the calendar, sorry. <laughs> and you can find all of this by going to bestpractices.org and clicking on the HR University at the top of the website. Also, um, still present, folks. We have not made changes to the I-9 process as of yet. So for those of you who have purchased the Holy Cow, I Have to Complete an I-9 book, I am vigilantly watching to make sure that those changes go into the next revised edition of the book so it is available. But if uh, who knows when those things are going to land we really don't know but if those of you who are interested in finding out what this is then you are welcome to go ahead and purchase one of two books or both of them if you really want to it is how to complete holy cow I have to complete an i9 and that book is designed to accompany the USCIS M274 employees handbook on how to complete an i9 retain it and not to mention what to do if you find that you're audited also, I've got another book called Holy Cow, I Have to Talk to My Boss, where I share the four rules to building a better relationship with your boss. Very vital. I know there's a lot of books on there, how bosses can be better bosses, but you know what? It's a two-way relationship. So this book will actually help you become a more valuable resource to your boss and help you get further, farther, faster in uh, your career steps. So uh, click on the shop at the top of the webpage and you can go ahead and order your copies today. And I love listening to your questions. I get some really awesome questions and I'm particular as to which ones that I share and which ones are pertinent. Um, and today we have an awesome question that I want to go over with you guys. And the question is, can an employee be denied COBRA benefits if they refuse to sign a separation agreement when they are fired? And the answer is absolutely no, they cannot be denied. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, at any time, it, COBRA is actually, COBRA benefits is a legal mandate that is in place. It is a law and uh, for individuals, uh, companies that have 20 or more employees, they have to adhere to it. Now there's a big yeah but that is not covered in the COBRA law. And the big yeah but is that some states require continuous coverage as well. So if you don't have 20 employees, you have less than 20 employees, you are probably still required to provide continuous coverage under the state COBRA-like laws that are in place. So that's something that you're going to have to look at too. So I understand the reason why this question would come up and it could be for a couple of reasons. Number one, first and foremost, this is a cost savings thing in regards to in the eyes of the employer. But most of COBRA, depending upon how your benefits program is laid out, the employee could be potentially paying 100% of the actual cost of the plan. So it kind of all depends on how you're set up. The other piece is, is that some companies and some employers and some leaders kind of get emotionally involved or in a little emotionally tied. And when somebody does something that is against the company or plucks a nerve or a cord against a leader's value structure, then sometimes they don't want people to have access to benefits that they are legally entitled to. Completely understand how that is, especially if the person did something so completely egregious that you just want to end all relationship with them. I don't think it's a getting back and getting just kind of a thing. I think what it is is that you just want to end the separation. And, you know, to be honest with you, there are people out there that just, you know, want to take a stance of, you know, this is mine and you can't have it. And, you know, it happens. But nonetheless, an employee cannot be denied COBRA benefits and COBRA coverage if they refuse to sign a separation agreement. Now, if the separation agreement is written well and it's written by an employment attorney, can you 
not pay a severance? And the answer to that is yes. And it kind of also depends on some of the state laws, which is exactly the reason why you want a separation agreement to be drafted by an employment attorney. Because separation agreements, depending upon the situation, you will also want to have a release in there, which means that under certain uh, provisions and certain reasons that an employee might want to engage in um, legal action against the company, there are some ones that they can release their ability to do so. Then there's some that they can't. So again, you want to make sure that those are written and drafted out by an employment attorney. And like I mentioned earlier, if you don't have an employment attorney and you might need one, definitely reach out to me and I might be able to refer one to you through our friends over at Jackson Lewis. So we're getting to the end and I'm really excited. Uh, thank you so much again for everybody. A lot of you have actually sent me um, emails and notifications and messages, you know, about the pups. So I really do appreciate that. It still has been coming in and you guys have been just awesome. So thank you very much. And for those of you who want to find out what is going on in my world and what I'm up to, um, which is usually about five, nine and no good, as some of my friends say, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Best Practices in HR. You can also find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube just by typing in my name, which is Brenda. My last name is spelled N-E-C-K, like the thing you want to choke. V is in Victor, A-T-A-L. And again, you can also jump onto the website at bestpractices.org and hop onto the mailing list and get the latest and greatest in my best practices delivered directly to your inbox. So folks, thank you again for yet another really awesome show. I know this was a little bit shorter one, but you know what? We got right to the point on this one. Solid information. Um, like I said, if you guys have questions and you want to talk through what your options are in regards to holiday events, please, by all means, reach out. I'm more than happy to talk to you guys, and I will see you next time. Have a good one.